Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. Right, my juices flow all the time. Absolutely, absolutely. You know as much as I know. Right now, we've been able to stuff to stuff. The curse is broken. NC State fans, finally. <laughs> finally. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. I mean, that's a triple play. The Wolfpack ain't for Saul. It ain't for soft people. Welcome back to another episode of Pack Therapy. I'm your host, Joe Giulio. Joined by Wolfpack great Scott Wood. And Scott, I purposely wore stripes today, but I wore them horizontal. I wore them horizontal because I didn't want to confuse you. But we are going to have a conversation about officiating on this week's episode. And I want you to rely on your experience and your expertise and and the different situations that you were put in during your very eventful NC State career and share your wisdom and share some of your thoughts. Let's see if we can't have a rational and very helpful conversation about officiating. Let's see if that's possible. Let's see if we can do that. It probably won't be possible, um, but okay. kind of just quick take. Um, I, I don't know if there's necessarily an official out there that I, that I like. And typically if you know an official by name, they're usually not a great official. Um, that's how, my, always been my take, uh, just to kind of go with that. I've always been taught that all officials are, are bad. So you just got to expect the worst out of them. Okay. Um, but I've also learned over my career that officiating is hands down one of the hardest jobs there are, especially in basketball, high paced, um, you know, everything's kind of an opinion. Uh, so, uh, it's very tough. Uh, but I think in this particular instance, you're probably getting more towards the Carolina game officiating. Um, well, I, obviously this is back therapy and we're talking about NC state's experience against North Carolina, but I feel like now the only way to actually have a rational conversation about any of this stuff is to kind of expand it and include all of the things we've seen going back to the Carolina game. You had the Duke Virginia Tech incident, then you had the Syracuse Carolina incident. And I just think we've lost a little bit of our sight of the very first thing that you said after there are no good officials is it's a really hard job. And I think it's being complicated by not just replay, but the way that replay is used. So I would push back on you in the sense that there are no good officials. Well, I mean, if you, if a thousand people participate in something, 20 of them are going to be good at it at minimum. Uh, And that's who you see at the final four. That's, you know, the group that you see in the NCAA tournament, they're the best of it. So to me, let's use the, the Carolina Syracuse game uh, as an example from Tuesday night. All right. The call at the end of the game, Judah Mintz drops the basket. RJ Davis is playing defense. They call an offensive foul in real time on Mintz. Roger yep. Ayers, an official who you know, you're familiar with from, from your time at NC State and the games that he worked, 
I thought, and I think is one of the best officials in the league. I thought he got the call right in real time. And then all of a sudden we got to go to like this 20 minute review where we decide, oh, there's, there's flagrant fouls and there's levels to it. And then we got to add free throws. And I just thought it was a foul correctly called by the human being. And then we have a review, a review and it becomes a whole other production. That that's yeah. my issue. Well, I mean, free throw discrepancy, we could talk a little bit more about that. That's fine. But I feel like the real problems are the, at the end of games. And we see these fouls, the contact fouls, Leaky black and, um, Travion Smith was a, was a contact play too that was reviewed and I didn't think Leaky Black should have been ejected from that game but again it was it was a foul on Leaky Black but why did we have to go back and review everything as if it's the end of the world that's the part I'm getting at with my frustration with with the officiating mechanism not the officials themselves yeah and that's where like the Leaky Black situation I think maybe should just be you know the officials perspective and and the takeaway right then and there now I do think there are some incident instances that <clears throat> maybe recall, you know, a groin punch, which NC State's notorious with, and sure. a little like that that maybe need, you know, we got to take a look under the hood. Um, That's a great example because you know why, Scott? That wasn't even called in real time. So to me, but that was a malicious non-basketball act. Those are the things, in my opinion, which should be reviewed. End plays, out of bounds, in, in, inbounds, out of bounds, clock issues, and malicious, violent acts that are not part of the game. If somebody throws a punch, should be reviewed. But the, the idea of going back and looking at a block charge and deciding, well, there, there was contact to his face, and now all of a sudden it becomes, again, you want, use either one example that you want to use. I'm, I'm trying to take team names out of this and really just kind of concentrate on the actual basketball play. So to me, that's the issue. That's the primary issue. And it's funny you mentioned Wake Forest won that game in part because it wasn't called. And Paul, there wasn't even a foul on the play, Scott. (laughs) I'll give you one guess who the official was. I will give you one guess who the official was. I mean, Carl? It was Carl Hess. Yes. Yes. I, I mean, I, I 100% agree with you, but I do think there are times where it's useful, and I do think there are times, especially in-game, where the and – here's, and here's the hard part of me saying this, is that it should be used at the in-game, you know, games on the line. I don't know if it's necessarily useful for, you know, the out-of-bound touches where it's a close call and some things like that. But I'm also a firm believer that <clears throat> if that one change at the end isn't – make or break your game there's calls throughout the game that that are going to make a difference too so it's hard for me to sit here and say you know let's just do it at the end but in all reality there's probably plays throughout the game that if they really took a look at it there could be a correction um so i I don't know it's kind of a catch-22 i I just i do think there's times at the end of the games where it is necessary that they got to get a right call but again i don't know if that direct at, at the moment it has a direct impact on the game, but there's calls throughout the game that could you could go back and say, oh, we lost by one point. You know, if this would have been reviewed, now all of a sudden, you know, we get another possession. So it's kind of a catch-22 there. You've been to just about every NC State home game this year. Um, Louisville was the first ACC game that I went to, and I thought that day, I thought, I think there's a league initiative to let the teams play this season. Have you noticed a more laissez-faire approach from the officials during the games? 
for in ACC play in particular. Yes, and a, will, and a willingness to let the teams play is what I'm getting at. And and so that's why I told you I didn't want to talk officials because that's like all that's all that people have come up to me about is the officiating. Um, and here is my one gripe: if we were going to gripe about officiating, and that one game that everybody wants to talk about in particular is probably the first eight minutes i'd have to go back and get the exact timing the first eight minutes they absolutely let them play like football players it was physical it was aggressive they weren't calling those touch fouls and then it's just like a switch the calling was a little different towards you know that the eight minute in mark they were literally yeah. like and now all of a sudden they changed it up they, they they started calling a little a couple more touchy fouls and yes as a team you have to adjust to officiating it, it comes with the territory but it's as a player that's very hard to turn off and turn on and i feel like all of a sudden carolina started being the aggressor and state wasn't getting to the rim as much they weren't being as aggressive you know they were taking a couple more pull-ups and again the hard part for people to realize is these are human beings calling these calls and nine out of ten times people don't want to hear it the aggressor is going to get the call you know, I, I said it all the time. The guy that is diving on that floor to get a loose ball, again, these are human beings. They remember that effort. They remember that hard work. And they are going to get rewarded more times than not. Um, that's just how it is. So that was kind of my gripe. It's very, very, you know, back to what you said at the beginning is these officials have kind of let some things go. It's been a very physical ACC play. But when you get these adjustments and you get this crew that all of a sudden kind of changes it up mid game, it is very hard for a player to adjust. And I feel like Carolina just stayed aggressive and just didn't care was continuing to attack and it affected state. I love that your NC state fandom is now complete. You mentioned the Chris Paul nut punch game, Julius Hodge. So you, you were obviously not aware of that back in, in Marion, Indiana. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb. You are part of the and, and NC State fans have long memories. Okay, it's part of the problem. So it can't just be the one game in Chapel Hill where there's a, a, a fairly large free throw discrepancy. It's it's a it's a thirty forty year body of work that NC State fans judge. I am genuinely curious though. Two thousand twelve. There's the incident between Chris Corciani and Tom Gugliano and Carl Hess, who at the time is considered one of the best officials in the ACC. If you're not familiar with the story, which you probably should be by now, but Hess decided to throw Corch and Googs out of PNC Arena. You guys are playing Florida State. Florida State ends up beating you by a bunch. Neither here nor there. Carl's then not assigned to any more of your games. It's almost like two years goes by before he gets assigned to another game. He also was unofficially not invited to officiate at the ACC tournament that year. So a group of officials decide in the very first game to come out with, on their sneakers, the initials KH as if he was dead on their sneakers as some sort of tribute and or protest. Now, we can all agree that was not appropriate, but as a player in that tournament, what was your reaction to seeing the officials and their unofficial protest with Carl's initials on their shoes. 
You know, it's tough because, and especially because it's almost a, a direct shot at us in a way, um, because we were involved with it. Uh, but also just kind of looking at it from the perspective is those officiating groups are teams in a roundabout way. They all know each other. They know each other on a personal level. They work a lot of games together. So can I say I'm surprised? No. But it is tough going into a game knowing that these officials are so close and that they're willing to put a logo or, you know, piece of tape on their shoe or chest or whatever it may be. And I was highly involved in what took place. So it's hard to, you know, step into a game and be like, okay, they're not coming for us this game. Uh, and by the way, you had a you had a semifinal game that was determined, and you're going to maybe disagree because you just said it wasn't one call. But that game, in my opinion, your game against Carolina was determined by the 50-50 call, Alex Johnson, Kendall Marshall. You can't convince me otherwise. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just hard. But I, I mean, there's but we could probably again, we can go back in that game and say, all right, there's a couple calls here that could have, you know, maybe went one way and a couple calls here that could have went one way. So. Again, the hard part with sports in general is it all comes down to one play. And it's usually at the end of the game, and it's usually the one everybody's going to remember. But there were probably a ton of calls throughout that game that nobody remembers that were probably in question as well. Not sure how many of those you got. but <laughs> that's, that's just, <laughs> Brian Dorsey. Woo! That was, <laughs> it was, to this day, I think it was a charge. But, can you can you repeat anything that Mark said to Brian Dorsey during the second half of that game? I mean, not without bleeping a lot of it out. Yeah, I don't have that technology right now, but <laughs> unreal. Uh, this is Pack Therapy. Scott Wood, Wolfpack, great joining us. You can catch all of our episodes. Apple, Spotify, the Googles, you name it, we're there. Check out our YouTube page, 99.9 The Fan on YouTube. And also you can watch us on WRAL Sports Fan. When we come back, we will be talking about Wake Forest and we'll be talking about where NC State goes from that loss to North Carolina and Chapel Hill and how they recover and their first step on Tuesday, which was beating Notre Dame. We'll do that next. Are you ready to buy or sell your home? The Jim Allen Group is a nationally recognized and award-winning real estate team in the Triangle, dedicated to providing exceptional service to meet your needs. With the latest insights and expert market knowledge, they'll make your home buying and selling journey as smooth as possible. Don't wait. Head over to JimAllen.com and start your next move today. That's JimAllen.com. The Jim Allen Group, your partner in real estate. Is getting your CPAP supplies a real pain? It doesn't have to be that way. Hi, I'm Brandon Giggling, president of Parkway Sleep Health Centers, and we are North Carolina's number one source for CPAP machines and supplies. Our streamlined process makes getting your CPAP as easy as one, two, three, and we ship anywhere in the state. If you're in need of a CPAP machine, supplies, a knowledgeable doctor, or a sleep study, Parkway has you covered. For information or to schedule an appointment, visit parkwaysleep.com. Sound sleep, sound health. So from one part of the Big Four, the loss in Chapel Hill, to the another stop in the Big Four, NC State goes down to Winston-Salem, where it hasn't always been friendly for the Wolfpack. They take on Wake Forest on Saturday. 
The Deeks are a very similar team to NC State this season. They're coming off of back-to-back losses to Virginia at home, which was difficult. That was one of those Q1 chances that they needed. And then they went to Pittsburgh Wednesday night. They ended up losing by a bucket. They rallied in the second half of that game. I don't know about you, Scott, but I'm, I'm always super impressed with Steve Forbes and with what they run and how hard he gets his teams to play. But the Deeks are 14-7, and 6-4 in the league. They do have a win outside of the league over Wisconsin. In the league, they're the only team with a win over Clemson right now. They also have wins over Duke and Virginia Tech. So similar teams. I do believe there's room in the NCAA tournament for both NC State and Wake Forest. But if I'm NC State, I do not want to fool around and find out what happens if I get swept by Wake Forest this year. This may not be the game that they win, but I do think this is a good matchup for the Wolfpack and their guards. I think State's just got better guards than Wake Forest does. Oh, and I think they, they guard well. I think, again, I think that's a big piece is that we've got two guards that can really guard. And if that's where there's another team's strength is, you know, we can counter that pretty well. Um, but again, I, I think everything matters, man. There's still quite a bit of season left. Um, what is it? Nine games. I think it's nine games left. Uh, 10 more in the, 10 more in the league for state. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so 10 more games. So you got to keep getting them. You can't take any of these for granted. Um, you know, you're going to have to ignore the, uh, the demon deacon pulling up the Harley and revving in your face before the game, which is just a great memory of mine. Um, I love exhaust. Uh, but I always had good luck at, at wake. I feel like, uh, outside of maybe my freshman year, I had a bad memory there. Uh, but I've always gone there and played well. I feel like this state team has gone on the road and played well. You know, uh, Virginia tech was a scary game, uh, going to Virginia tech and we were able to handle business except for the last few minutes. Um, so I expect them to do the same. I think, I think again, like you said, very similar kind of styles, but I do feel like what's going to pull us through is our guard club. I just feel like they defend on another level and that's going to separate us from them. Yeah. I would imagine Casey Marcel will spend a lot of time on Appleby. I know Joyner's perfectly capable. Uh, Appleby really the player that makes wake go. Let's talk a little bit about Traquavion Smith. He has the, the fall at Carolina. Misses the last nine minutes of that game. Very scary. Uh, he did manage to avoid any serious injury. I, I think the medical staff there took extra precaution because he had some uh, numbness in his neck. So no issues there. I, I thought they did a great job taking care of him. And I thought it was a really good break for State yeah. that he wasn't hurt. Because quite frankly, Scott, I would tell you that the season was over and I'm not sure how I could do 10 more weeks of pack therapy talking about a team that would have nowhere to go without your Quavian Smith. I, I think he's that important to this team. Yeah. No, I, I, again, I mean, it was a scary moment. Uh, I think everybody watching the game was, was highly, highly worried. Uh, not only for the season, but for him, you know, a guy that, you know, made a big sacrifice to come to the university that he genuinely wants to play at. And he wants to find success here when he could have very easily, you know, been a, you know, mid uh, first round pick last year. So, uh, if anything, it was just scary for him as an individual that could go pro next year, come back, or whatever he wants to do. But he loves the school, so you know, you just wanted to see him bounce back and not have a serious injury, which we were lucky to do. I think the first half, I think you could tell a little bit that he was, you know, he was still attacking and playing the same way he does. But you could just tell he, whether it was 
you know, not having a couple of days of practice and, and a couple of those off days to, to heal up kind of had an effect on him. But then the second half he came out and I think he made two or three in a row uh, to start the second half. And, you know, it, it looked like the old Traquavion. But like anything, man, it's a it's a dangerous sport, man. Uh, two guys going, I, I would never know what it's like to be that high. Uh, but I think even the last game you saw him go up for a layup and it's just kind of you're just kind of watching. It's just like, how does that kid off his technically what's his off foot? jumping off his right foot, going up with his left hand, you know, get that high. I mean, he was probably a, a foot and a half above the rim, you know, still came down. But, you know, he's a warrior and, and is able to bounce back. And, and that's the main thing that's going to help them go is because he's, he's a glue guy. You see it when he's on the bench. He's out there coaching. So um, I'm just glad that he's healthy and he, he's back out there with his, with his teammates. He struggled from the floor against Notre Dame. Uh, mm-hmm. 0 for 5 on his twos, 2 for 9 on his threes. So he's two fourteen, but he did make eleven of his thirteen free throws. I really thought Jarkel Joyner, other than being the leading scorer in that game, was the most important player in that game. I felt like, you know, I thought State in itself was kind of sluggish in the first half. Then it asserted itself, and then kind of stopped playing defense. Um, yeah. I thought in the second half, Notre Dame just kind of refused to go away. Where they were making shots, and I mean they shot the heck out of the basketball from three. So that's always going to keep you in a game. But I thought Joyner as he has been many times this year, just kind of like a steadying, all right, let's kind of calm down. Let's get into our stuff. Let's get a bucket. You can't put a price on that. Six-year guy, you just can't put a price on that. Uh, and, I mean, we could talk about him every time we come on here. I mean, he's he, he's an absolute pleasure as a person, uh, first and foremost, but he's a great leader, great player. Uh, I would almost say it's 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 MVP one and MVP two with him and Traquavion. I mean, it's – it, he makes the team go. He, he understands when we need to slow down, when we need to push. Um, very rarely makes mistakes. I mean, he went a few games without even committing a turnover uh, for a while, so he takes he takes care of the ball. Um, I'm sure if we had Kevin on here, he'd still be cussing about him missing that dunk. But, hey, it happens sometimes. Uh, but, I mean, he is. He's just that floor general that every team needs and, and state has one. And I, just, I wish he had a couple more years to play, dude, uh, honestly, because he's a lot of fun. Um, to me, he almost reminds me, uh, oh gosh, now I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, the kid that came in from Alabama, Trevor, he reminds me of Trevor. Yeah. Uh, I was able to play with Trevor in the TVT, very similar styles, just in control. You know, if he needs to get a bucket, he can get a bucket, but he also knows who to get the ball to and when to get the ball to him. Um, and, and that's kind of the things that they go over, uh, overlook sometimes is just that basketball IQ that he has and the experience that he has, um, playing the game. Your career last two years at NC State, you make the tournament in 12, you make the tournament in 13, 13, uh, the, the selection show, both of those years was a adventure for you both times when you're in this stretch though, with 10 games to go. And they didn't have the quad system back then. The net wasn't an, an introduced yet. But you you knew, and Mark was an expert. Uh, Mark Godfrey was an expert in how to get into the tournament and what what got you into that, what got the attention of the selection committee. So I'm curious as a player in, in the down the stretch, and maybe you look at the Wake Forest game, okay, this team's like us. Then, you, you know, they just played Notre Dame, who's you know, not having a great year. And then they got Florida State coming up, who I would be scared as hell of because they're just athletic as all get out. 
but their number is terrible. So it's almost like you have these appendix games where it has no value, but if it bursts on you, it could kill you. I'm curious as a player, how, how do you look at these, some of these games that they have coming up because the ACC has never had teams. Thankfully, NC State doesn't play Louisville anymore, but they're just an albatross on the league right now as they try to put teams into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, as a player, I mean, I don't think you're thinking about it too much. I know, obviously, that's something that's in the back of the staff's mind, uh, which is how the net and everything is now. But as a player, you're trying to get every single one of them. Um, and you also know in the back of your mind as a player, you cannot take a day off. You know, every game is going to be a grind. Everybody's coming for you, and especially with the way the schedule is. Like I, I said it from the beginning, Florida State started out terrible. But Florida State towards the end of the year is going to be 8-1 one of the better teams in the ACC. They're going to figure it out. Um, so it is. It, it's a scary moment because, again, I, we've had a great season leading up to this point. But like I said, 10 games is a lot of games. You know, you go four and six down the stretch. You go three and seven down the stretch. But you could also go seven and three. So, you know, this season can still go many different ways. But I do – I like the leadership of this team. I like where their head's at, and I think they're going to continue to understand that there is an emphasis on every game. No games off. we got to come ready to play, and we got to put our best foot forward at all times. You know, there might be a couple games where we don't shoot well. It happens, but we got to find ways to win. And I think, you know, with Jarkel and T and the staff put in place, I think they, they have an understanding of that and the emphasis on, you know, we got to go one game at a time, and it starts with, with Wake. Before we go and wrap up this week, uh, Mike Bray retiring or, or leaving Notre Dame at the end of the year. You grew up in Indiana. I know, I know the Monty Tau story. I know you were recruited early by NC State, but and we've talked a little bit about your understanding of Indiana basketball. We've talked a little bit about, uh, shockingly, as a white shooter, you had interest in Duke growing up. But where was Indiana? I mean, excuse me, where was Notre Dame? on your radar because Bray to me is like the coolest guy in the room. No, I mean, I, I absolutely love my visit there. Um, I love, you did visit there. Yes. I, I, all right. I absolutely love coach Bray. Absolutely laid back. Um, cool as the other side of the pillow, whatever you want to call it. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was able to play pickup with the team while I was there. So just getting a good feel of it. Campus is, I mean, about as historical as you can get. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a sad thing for them because I can honestly say, even being an Indiana guy, I, I couldn't tell you who the coach was before Mike Bray. You know, I, I, honestly, I, I don't know if I could tell you a coach that was there other than a football coach. I could name more football coaches. You can name one? Uh, no, no, no. Do you, I'm laughing because Carolina fans want to forget that he ever existed and they never mentioned him. But actually well, the coach before Mike Bray was Matt Darty. He was there for one year, and when Roy had turned Carolina down, they kind of went down the family tree, and Matt Darty had left Notre Dame after one year and then went to Carolina and was summarily fired three years later. So uh, it's interesting to me that you, you say that because, of course, like I said, State fans have a long memory of how this all works, and obviously having covered it for 25 years, I remember certain things too. Well, I, I couldn't tell you any, but I, I did. I enjoyed it. Um, to this day, I, I tell everybody if, if I would have transferred from state after my sophomore year, I would have probably went to Notre Dame. Um, 
I mean, Notre Dame was easily in my top five coming out of recruitment. Um, uh, probably in the state, it was them and Butler, uh, the two that Ooh. I was prob- probably looking Ooh. at the most. Hey, um, you could have been, but you you couldn't have coexisted with Gordon Hayward, can you? No, he beat me in the because you game. you haven't for you haven't forgiven him yet. No, no. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm well, but I'm glad he made a lot of money, but I want that one back pretty bad. So that's why. That was your junior year or your senior year? My junior year. Yeah. Junior year, state championship, Indiana. Now they had gotten rid of they had gotten rid of the the open tournament at that point. It was a classification, right? Yeah, we could talk about officiating there. Oh yeah, there, there's one. Uh, <laughs> I make it three, two point one seconds. They call timeout when the ball goes through the the basket. Okay. The ball should be baseline. Yeah. So, in real time, they took the ball out past it to about where the free throw line was. But if the clock stopped and the timeout was called there, it should be like 0.9. Sure, there there should be time off of the clock, yeah. They gave them the 2.1 when the ball went through. At side. Sideline, and they scored with 2.1 seconds to beat us. So you want to talk about bad officiating? He hit a shot at the buzzer. It was a little bit of a circuit shot, wasn't it? Yeah, a little bit of like an underhand scoop shot. Uh, We tipped it, actually. Jay Edwards. A uh, very famous name in Indiana basketball. Uh, his son tipped it. Uh, Hayward picked it up, kind of did a scoop shot about from the free throw line and, and went in to beat us 2.1 seconds. So to this day, uh, even when I was at State, anything with 2.1, just I'm like, hey, let's play defense. I've got bad memories of this. And, and you can be surprised how many times I've had a game at the end, 2.1 seconds left. It haunts Man, me. You- you might have been something with Brad Stevens. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, well, you never know. He, I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, man. <laughs> he, he, was, he was a good man, and they, I mean, they, when I was at state, they were really good, especially my first couple of years, man. Um, but again, it's just yeah, I, ten. I, they're in the title game. Eleven, they go back to the final four. Yeah, I always wanted to play in ACC, though. I would never regret my decision looking back on it. No regrets here. No regrets. You wouldn't be here with me today. Got pack the therapy. I got the, got the tattoo. We're the Millers. That, that's my right. Movie quote for today. No regrets. <laughs> no regrets. Not a single letter. <laughs> nope. You wouldn't be here with me. So check us out every week. We'll uh, have coverage for the Wake Forest game, of course. We'll talk again next week. Scott Wood, if you missed anything, check us out on WRALsportsfan.com. Check us out on our YouTube page. You can watch the complete episodes on the 99.9 The Fan YouTube page and, of course, download Apple, Spotify, the Googles, you name it. We'll see you next week right here on Pack Therapy. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Granger for the ones who get it done.